Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, we're going to be continuing our series on executive functioning. As you may recall from last time, there are eight executive functions, so this episode is either going to be about working memory or emotional control. But first, don't forget to hit that subscribe and five-star button as they help to boost the podcast to continue spreading awareness. Also, check out my website, theadhdlady.org. I have a couple of upcoming groups and webinars that I'm really excited about. And of course, another way to stay in the know is to follow me on my socials. The underscore ADHD underscore lady can be found on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You got it. Now let's dig into this week's episode. Okay. So making a choice on what to do for this week was hard because I really wanted to work on talking about working memory, but I also wanted to talk about emotional regulation. So I have to pick one or the other, right? Well, actually, no. (laughs) This week is all about flexible thinking. (laughs) Don't worry, we'll be doing an episode on both of those other ones in the future. But flexible thinking is a crucial function to helping us problem solve. So it's a great topic to start with before diving into those other areas. It's also a really great follow-up to task initiation from last week. So let's talk about it. And as usual, let's begin by talking about what flexible thinking really is. So flexible thinking is really just being able to adapt and adjust your behavior to unexpected change. When you struggle with this executive function, you might get stuck in all or nothing mentality, you know, that black and white thinking very easily. But when we've built up our cognitive flexibility or flexible thinking, we're better able to compromise, to see other people's opinions or ideas and actually listen to them. When we have flexible thinking, we can more easily let go of stubborn thought patterns, especially ones that mean things must be done our way and that no other approach is acceptable. Then we can more easily go with the flow and actually shift our plans or our ideas more easily too. We become more adaptable when we can strengthen this cognitive flexibility. But also, having strong cognitive flexibility means that we can let go of the past and especially letting go of ruminating on past mistakes. And lastly, we can more easily think about how others feel and adapt our behavior accordingly. Although this actually works very closely with self-monitoring, which is another function that we will, of course, be discussing in this series. And while I have another way of going about this episode already written out, I actually had in between my recording and the last episode a really good example of someone struggling with flexible thinking uh, coming into my life. And it actually had to do with my podcast. So I figured that this is a good opportunity to share. Now, I am not going to out who this person is. Um, I don't think they listen to the podcast based on their initial message. Um, But it's a way of showing that there are outside perspectives. And it's also a way of showing my own personal growth with my flexible thinking. 
Criticism and feedback used to hit me like a ton of bricks. And this is not to say that I will never be upset by criticism or feedback that isn't positive. I still have ADHD, autism, and a whole bunch of PTSD drama. Woohoo. Um, so it is a constant effort for me to not take those things so personally. Uh, but I don't actually get a ton of negative feedback on my podcast, which I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who've listened and just didn't like it, and that's fine. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Um, I'm a strong believer in that. But this was the first time that anyone had actually brought a concern to me for my podcast, at least one that I found that not to say that someone didn't email me at some other point and maybe it went to spam and I never saw it. <laughs> That's always a possibility. Gosh, my spam folder is full and I have noticed that a bunch of things are going in there that aren't supposed to be. So I've got to figure out how to sort that one out, but that's a problem for another day. Uh, but this particular person decided to go onto my website and contact me there. Um, so I received the message and their feedback was that, you know, um, just a gentle criticism. I uh, notice that you speak very quickly in your podcast and I find it to be very unprofessional. Now, the pace at which I speak, you know, just removing from the feedback for a moment, the pace at which I speak on this podcast is actually an accommodation to majority of my listeners. Uh, since most of my listeners have ADHD, I do talk at a slightly quicker pace. The only time that I go really fast that might be a little uncomfortable for people is in my intro and my outro. And that's just because you guys don't need to hear me talking at this pace about how you can go to my website to find things. And with the ADHDers in my life, both friends, family, and my clients that I work with, I found that when people are talking at that slow pace, that's an opportunity for us to quickly lose interest and to click on to the next thing. For those of you that do the endless scroll on TikTok or Reels over on Instagram or Facebook, think about the videos where maybe someone has some really great information, but they're not talking very quickly. They're not getting to the point you start to feel frustrated and that pent-up aggression can kind of bubble up in your belly and that just makes you scroll. That's it. I'm, I'm not going to bother listening to the rest of this video. And it may not be that intense every single time you have this experience, of course, but it's something that many ADHDers tend to feel because we do live in this fast-paced brain a good majority of the time. ADHD is also a spectrum disorder, though, so there will be days where we need things to be at a slower pace because maybe we're more inattentive that day and we really need someone to slow down for us to be able to focus. So to take it back to this piece of feedback, old Amanda would have felt like she was punched in the gut. This very small criticism would have set me back and I would have decided, you know what, maybe I'm just not going to do the podcast for a little bit. I might have avoided it. Um, whereas um, the Amanda that I am now, the one who knows herself a little better, understands her brain better, and has built in a bunch of skills to help her in moments like these, this Amanda decided that, you know what, it's okay 
that this person doesn't like the rate at which I talk. Because I'm very aware that majority of my listeners do appreciate me not going so slow. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to respond to this person, but I'm going to respond in a way that is not negative or disregards their feedback completely. Um, What I'm going to do is show them what their options are. I decided that, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to actually be helpful. And I don't have to take this to heart. This person clearly has some struggle with the rate at which I speak. So that is totally fine. And I am very much a person who believes that if an accommodation can be made, especially a simple one, then it's helpful to show people what those accommodations might be. So I thanked them for their feedback and told them that, you know, if the rate at which I speak is just a little too fast for you on most major podcasting platforms, there is a way to adjust the speed, not only to be faster, because I actually listen to most of my podcasts on at least 1.5, if not two times speed, because again, that ADHD piece, I, I need it to go as fast as possible. My brain needs hyperdrive. <laughs> That's my version of ADHD, though. I know, as I've said, that there are other people who do need to go slower. So getting back to my reply, I shared that this speed option is available and that, yes, you can speed things up so it's going a little quicker, but actually, you're also able to slow things down and put the pacing to 0.75 or 0.5 speed if that would help you to listen more comfortably to the show. This was a very reasonable accommodation. This way, I am still able to help the majority of my listeners, but also this one listener, I was able to give them this extra little tip that could make their listening more comfortable. Again, very proud of the growth here because like I said, would have just shut down, would have avoided it. I never would have responded before. My goodness, that would not have been the case. But where this person was clearly struggling with some flexibility in their thinking was in their next reply where they tried to tell me that listening at a faster pace is unhealthy for the ADHD and neurodiverse brain and actually unhealthy for anyone. Now, the researcher in me really wanted to uh, give all of the different articles talking about how speed listening is actually a thing. Um, It is not something that causes harm. Um, It is something that a lot of us with a faster processing rate um, wind up doing and utilizing in our daily lives. And it is actually a tool that uh, many researchers use to get through the books that they need to at a quicker pace because the rate at which our eyes are picking up the information can sometimes differ from the rate at which our ears can take it all in. Now, again, as a show of my own flexible thinking growth, I did not reply this time um, because me showing that research was not going to change that black and white picture that they had about my podcast. In their mind, what I do is wrong, and that's it. And little did they know that it actually provided a fantastic example for this week's episode. Just because someone does something different than the way you feel it should be done does not make it wrong. 
And the interesting thing about this is that this is a struggle that many of us neurodivergent people face in our day-to-day lives. Because there is a neurotypical way of doing things, and then there's different. And when you have this rigidity in your thought patterns, you may be very locked into the neurotypical way that you were taught to do something. And so when the day comes that you're no longer able to do it the neurotypical way, that struggle with flexible thinking may make it very difficult for your brain to see that there is another option here. I know I've certainly experienced this, where there was a way of doing something in my home, let's say, and that this is the way that it needs to be cleaned and in this order, right? That was the way that I was taught, the way that I was raised. This is how it's done. And I have a partner now who was raised very differently than me. And the way that he was taught to clean is also very different than the expectations that were placed on me growing up. And not to say that one of us has neurotypical expectations and the other doesn't, um, but just as an example of how we each have had our own rigidity in how things are done. And I am constantly learning how to become more flexible especially in this area, because this is where my autism really kicks in, because autistic people do tend to really struggle with flexible thinking. We are known for our black and white thought patterns, that we have a perspective of what is right, and we have a perspective of what is wrong. And if you do not fall into our perspective, then there's likely to be some version of conflict or conflict avoidance on our end. And there is a difference between conflict avoidance, where we just aren't confronting the person because we're so scared of the confrontation, and taking a different route and choosing to not have the conflict because you see that it's not going to change that person's way of looking at things. If a person thinks that the sky is green, it's going to be very difficult for you to convince them that the sky is blue. And you may know that the sky is blue and you are the one who is right here. But there are times where we meet people who really believe the sky is green and we're not able to change it. And if you yourself struggle with flexible thinking, that actually might cause you to have a bunch of disruption in your own thought patterns that might make you have a lot of emotional dysregulation because you might be so frustrated with the fact that you know you are right and this person is looking at things completely differently and they're wrong. Because that is a struggle with flexible thinking too. Because we do not have to agree with the other person's perspective, but Having the skill of cognitive flexibility means that we can see why it exists. So not only is flexible thinking an important skill for us to have to problem solve, but it's important for our relationships and just our daily life. And unfortunately, for many ADHDers, we live our lives in all or nothing, I'm talking about task initiation, well, we often get stuck in, the, in a stop thought pattern, one where we might as well just stop and do nothing because we couldn't possibly get all of the tasks done in one sitting. So why bother starting? 
And this struggle with flexible thinking can show up in tons of ways for ADHDers also, especially that all or nothing. Uh, You know, I ate one cookie, might as well eat the entire row. (laughs) Um, I can't start my new exercise routine until Monday. Uh, Well, I'm going to start cleaning at 3 o'clock and then 3.03 comes around. You're like, oh, darn, I didn't start at 3 o'clock. Might as well wait till 4 o'clock. Yeah, that last one. But you didn't realize that that was some of that all or nothing thinking, huh? Yeah, I uh, I didn't realize that for myself for a while either. Um, and then I had read a great article talking about other ways that it can show up for ADHDers. And wish that I could cite it for you guys. <laughs> I don't know if any of my other listeners have this, but there are so many times where I take in such wonderful information about ADHD, autism, neurodiversity, and I will save it. Like, I'd say nine times out of 10 might be a little too generous, more like seven or eight. Um, And I would love to go back and look at that article, but there are so many things bookmarked that I probably couldn't find it for you guys. So, yep, read it somewhere. (laughs) And that's another area where rigid thinking might have held me back before, thinking that I couldn't give you a piece of information unless I could cite X, Y, and Z. And there are certain things that I do, of course, want to be really conscious of the impact of. I want to make sure that I am citing my sources for certain pieces of research, um, just because there are certain areas that can cause harm if it is misinformation. Um, And I do make sure that I'm not just gathering my information from some random TikTok I verify everything. Um, A lot of great information comes out of organizations like Chad or Attitude Magazine. Um, You know, they have great research doctors uh, that work with both organizations. Um, There are several other wonderful ADHD organizations uh, internationally as well. But back to flexible thinking. Um, You know, another example of flexible thinking um, is that for autistic people, um, we can often live our life by this unsaid and unwritten set of rules that we just kind of determined one day for ourselves. Or maybe someone told us that this is how it is, and then we just did that every day moving forward. Um, So a good example of this in my own life is that, you know, I thought for a very long time that you must have breakfast food in the morning and that breakfast food is defined as like these particular items, you know, eggs and uh, pancakes and waffles and breakfast sausage and omelets, things like that. Um, So there was a very large portion of my life where if I slept through breakfast time, I would feel incredibly uncomfortable eating the rest of the day because I didn't start my day with a breakfast food. It has to be the first meal. (laughs) Otherwise, I would would sit there and be very confused when um, friends were sitting and having like pizza for breakfast uh, because again, it's not a breakfast food. That's, That's so confusing. What are you doing? But the reality is you don't have to have a breakfast food every single morning, and nor does your breakfast have to be breakfast food ever, if that's your personal preference. But that was a rule 
that I had created through my own lack of flexible thinking, through my own rigid thought patterns. And it wasn't until I moved out on my own that I was able to start to shift my parameters. Because at that time, that's when I realized that leftovers for breakfast are a phenomenal thing to have in my life. Um, And I do this to this day now. Um, But it took me having a very different circumstance for me to be able to get out of that rigidity. The funny thing, though, is, uh, just as a little aside, as rigid as I was about breakfast foods being for breakfast, (laughs) I loved breakfast for dinner. And maybe, maybe underneath all of this, the reality is that I just love breakfast food and just want breakfast food all day long. Um, My body now being in my 30s does not want pancakes all day. Um, (laughs) I cannot operate on just that for nutrition anymore. But Um, it's just so funny that I had this rule in my head that breakfast food is for breakfast and yet breakfast for dinner was perfectly acceptable. And yeah, just so interesting. But the other thing here is that I think if I hadn't become gluten-free due to my dietary restrictions, that I might still be stuck in that black and white thinking of breakfast food for breakfast. Because living out my own, I was not making a lot working in education. Um, And gluten-free foods are not cheap. And they were way more limited um, back in 2013, 2014, when I was told that I needed to start going gluten-free because of allergies. Um, So the options just were not as accessible. And even still to this day... Gluten-free pancakes have far more steps to making pancakes than just a regular Bisquick pancake mix where you can just throw some water in and there you go, you can make pancakes. Um, So I think if I hadn't had those executive functioning challenges with preparing the food um, and the financial challenges behind it, you know, I don't think I ever would have noticed the convenience of leftovers for breakfast and then therefore was able to break my rigid thinking around it. So I've provided you guys with a lot of different examples for how flexible thinking can show up in your life, whether it's ADHD, autism, or being ADHD like me. But I think it's also important for us to discuss some ways to start increasing your flexible thinking. Um, you know, with this whole executive functioning series, I don't want you to just know what the executive functions are. I want you to have some resources for how to start working with your brain, how to start trying different, and for how to move forward and, you know, use these tools in your day-to-day life to make your life more functional for you. So if you are a person who ruminates on criticism, who gets stuck in all or nothing constantly. I can't possibly clean my room unless I can clean the whole thing. Well, then you are a person who would probably benefit from starting to do more logic puzzles in your life. Yep, you heard me correctly there. Um, So logic puzzles are actually something that can help you with increasing your flexible thinking. Um, Because what they're doing is they're forcing your brain to see a multitude of perspectives to solve the problem. Because at the end of the day, 
Having strong cognitive flexibility is very beneficial for problem solving. And that's one of the reasons why I felt that it was really helpful for us to talk about this as one of the first executive functions in this series, because being able to problem solve is key to finding solutions for all the other executive functioning challenges a person might have. Of course, we started with task initiation because that's the big one. That's the one that many of us struggle with. And you might even have trouble initiating the task of doing the activity that might help with increasing flexible thinking. Um, So be sure to go check out that last episode if you haven't already um, for a couple of tools there to help you with uh, initiating these exercises. Um, But yes, logic puzzles are a fantastic way of increasing some of that flexible thinking. Another thing that's helpful that's was kind of shocking and funny to me, but makes perfect sense. It's along the lines of those logic puzzles. Riddles. So I am going to ask you two riddles now. And before we end the episode, I will give you the answers, but it'll give you a chance to kind of think on it. So the first riddle is what is taken before you can get it? And then the second is What has branches, but no fruit, trunk, or leaves? And like I said, I will give you an opportunity to kind of think about that as we wrap up the episode, talk about an additional skill or two, um, and then I will give you guys the answers. So don't stress if you're unsure or you're already in a panic over, oh my God, what is it? Um, You'll get them, I promise. (laughs) And if you need to pause for a moment to think about it, go ahead and do that now. But we're going to go into another exercise to try and help you with increasing that flexible thinking. So one other way that we can increase our flexible thinking is by using what we think other people's perspectives of a topic might be. So we have our own black and white for things, but someone else might have a different black and white. And by taking a moment to ask ourselves, what would this person do? It can help us to potentially see another angle or two or three that we hadn't initially been able to see. And another way of even doing this is by asking ourselves, well, what would childhood me have done? You know, the version of you that was unaltered by other people's judgments and opinions and ways just yet. Not to say that as a kid, we don't start masking at a very young age and start taking in everything else around us, but we tend to be, especially ADHD kids, a little more impulsive. (laughs) So asking ourselves, well, what would I have done with this when I was younger? Or what would, I don't know, what would some celebrity do i'm trying to think of a celebrity who's not problematic Kristen bell i love Kristen bell she has adhd too guys um what would Kristen bell do (laughs) um but when i've seen this exercise before i've seen uh people you know even putting themselves in the shoes of you know big tech moguls like what would bill gates do or what would steve jobs do um just so that you're trying to put yourself into this place of seeing things from a different angle. 
And that in itself is already starting to give you a little more flexibility with your thinking. You don't have to agree with what they would do, but you've got to see it. And you have to allow it to exist just for a moment at least. Um, Agreeing with it, that's a whole nother layer of work and steps. So I'm not going to force you into any of that today. (laughs) But, you know, think about it. Think about something as simple as um, walking up a hill. How do you walk up a hill? Do you duck step where your feet are slightly turned out? Do you use some sort of like hiking tool? Do you just put one foot in front of the other? Okay, now what would your friend that goes hiking do to get up the hill? Ah, is there anything they would do differently than your initial answer or two? So that is giving ourselves the option to see things from this other perspective. And I have one final exercise for you guys, and then I will give you those, um, those answers to the riddle. Won't leave you hanging on that. Um, so this exercise in particular is um, from the book Thriving with Adult ADHD by Phil Boissier. Um, I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> but um, this is a really great example of utilizing metacognition, which is being able to take ourselves a step out to be able to think about our own thinking. Um, So it it seems a little abstract, but um, this exercise in particular is a way of being able to kind of use that metacognition. Um, And if you struggle with flexible thinking, then you might struggle with metacognition, which is another area that you could potentially build a greater skill set on. So here's the exercise from Phil. (laughs) Um, So below is a brief writing prompt, and I want you to spend however long you need to write half a page on this topic. This is not a grammar exam. You don't need to proof it or spend very long on it. Half an hour max will do. When you're done, there will be a series of questions for you to answer about it. So I'm going to give you the writing prompt, and then I'm going to pause so that you can pause if you would like to do the exercise now. And then I'll give you the answer to the riddles, and then the questions to follow up the writing prompt. Okay, guys, you following? All right, cool. So here is the prompt. In about half a page, typed or handwritten, Explain three of the biggest struggles that adults with ADHD face on a daily basis. Please write in a narrative format, not a list of symptoms. Please explain the struggles as if the person reading your response knows nothing about what you are talking about. When you are done, turn the page and ask yourself the follow-up questions that I will provide. Okay, so... Here are the answers to the riddles. This way it gives you some space for that pause. And then I'll ask you those follow-up questions. Now, I recognize I'm talking to ADHDers here. So hopefully y'all don't forget to come back for the questions. (laughs) But that's okay. Um, So the answer to our riddles. The first one, what is taken before you can get it? Well, that is a picture picture is taken before you can see it. You can get it. 
And what has branches, but no fruit, trunk, or leaves? And that is a bank. A bank has branches. Um, but, I mean, maybe it'll have fruit sometimes, <laughs> depending on what people bring for lunch, huh? Um, but it certainly has no trunk or leaves. Um, so, then that leads us to the other exercises, follow-up questions. If you're ready for them, here we go. Number one, why did you choose those three struggles? Number two, are those struggles shared by most people with ADHD or just you? Number three, how did you feel when writing these examples? Were they difficult for you to come up with? And number four, do you think your examples were clearly explained? By answering these questions, you will have flexed your metacognition mental muscles. So I, as a resource, um, I always share uh, Thriving with Adult ADHD. It's a great resource on executive functioning skills. I'm sure I'll reference it further in the series as well. Um, That would be a really great person to interview. Because I just, I love this book. And it's so ADHD friendly to the format in which it's written. Um, It has a questionnaire in the beginning for you to kind of assess your executive functioning. Um, This is one of those areas, though, where, as I mentioned uh, in the previous episode, you know, with executive functioning, um, there's people who say there's five executive functions all the way up to over 20 executive functions. So this book breaks it down into five. Uh, you know, those eight that we'll be talking about in this whole series, they've combined. So this area of cognitive flexibility combines flexible thinking and self-monitoring into the same category here. Um, So that's just an interesting thing to note. But you've gotten the answers to your riddles. You've gotten the follow-up questions to the other exercise. There are a ton of additional flexible thinking exercises that can be done. Um, These aren't even the ones that I necessarily start with with clients. I have a bunch of different graphics that I've made, but I'm not able to show those graphics on a a podcast screen. (laughs) This is all audio, friends. Um, And, you know, one day, one day maybe I'll start recording me filming, but my filming process is a little, or my recording process is a little weird. Um, So maybe if I get better at making scripts for every episode, I can start to do that. (laughs) All right, folks, well, you've stuck with me long enough for today. Uh, The next executive function will actually be either working memory or emotional regulation. Um, So stay tuned for that episode in the coming weeks. I am getting surgery uh, in about two weeks, so I am hoping to have the episode done and put out before I go under the knife. But um, just in case I don't, you know, know that I haven't forgotten about you, friends. Um, I'm just a one-woman show here trying to run a coaching business and make this podcast happen as a free resource, Um, you know, so... There, there you have it, folks. Um, thanks for sticking around, and I look forward to seeing you all next time. 
Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Don't forget to sign up for my accountability group, which starts at the beginning of each month. So that gives you a week, friends. That and my other courses can all be found on my website, theadhdlady.org, but you can also reach out to theadhdlady at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and follow those socials like we talked about at the beginning of the show. This is your host, Amanda, signing off.